Hey guys, welcome to the Covenant Courses podcast, Weston Brown here, and right now we're in a study called Missional Essentials based on the book of the same name written by Brad Briscoe and Lance Ford, and in each episode I'm interviewing Brad Briscoe about uh, this this book, and we're just kind of going chapter by chapter through it, and so today we're going to get into chapter 9, uh, which is all about the neighborhood and what it looks like to be on mission in the neighborhood, and I want to just read a quick quote from the beginning of this lesson. It says this, a missional church is a fellowship made up of people who individually and collectively own the responsibility for the welfare of their particular community as a whole. Just let that sink in for a moment. What could it look like for you and your spiritual community? What could it look like for you to own the welfare of your neighborhood. Let's get into today's conversation with Brad, and we'll talk about that in more detail. I want to read a quote here from the beginning of this chapter. Uh, This is on page 66, I believe. And it says, uh, we just hope for the best for a safe, peaceful, crime-free community with good schools, parks, employment opportunities, and arts and entertainment venues. Um, (laughs) So that quote to me is like the opposite of what our city is here in Shreveport. Um, Like all of the things that you mentioned there, uh, safe, peaceful, crime-free, uh, great arts and entertainment venues. Man, to me, that is just not where I live. Um, we live in uh, a city that has been named one of the like top 10 murder capitals in the U.S. Um, we had a, I mean, we live in a middle class neighborhood that trends toward upper middle class. But earlier this year, we had a, a shooting, like a, like a rolling shootout on our street. Uh, in which a young girl was killed, like just shot doing her homework uh, inside her home by these guys who were rolling down the street shooting at each other. Um, There are not great parks here in our city. Like, I mean, there's not some of these things that you describe. So as a result, I mean, I, I constantly talk to people who are just plotting their exit from Shreveport, who are just trying to figure out when and how they can get out of here. Um, and, and people who are followers of Jesus who are thinking that way, that, that this place is not trending upward, uh, that things are not getting better around here, so we need to peace out. So what do we do if we don't like the place where God has sent us? Um, how, how do we deal with that? Yeah, well, that's a great uh, well, man, there's several things here, I, directions I think we could go. Uh, one is to go back, and I think in this chapter or lesson, I mean, we might just reference it, but Jeremiah 29 passage. Um, you know, Jeremiah 29 is a is a fascinating uh, passage of scripture where you know the the Israelites were in Babylonian captivity. They hated it. The Babylonians were wicked. It was very, it was very difficult, very hostile. The Israelites wanted to go home right away, and then remember in Jeremiah twenty nine, um, even though of course the Lord knew the Israelites wanted to go back home, he that He knew that they didn't want to be there, they didn't want to stay, and then 
you remember in that passage, he, the instructions that he gives them, um, here real quick, I'm just going to see if I can't pull this up. Uh, Jeremiah 29, four, if it's okay, Weston, let me just read it. Yeah, please. Four, four through eight, four through nine. Here's what it says. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So again, the Lord knows they don't want to be there. They want to go back to Jerusalem. They're in Babylonian captivity. And here's what the Lord tells them to do. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what you produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. And seek the peace and prosperity of the city where I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Well, I I don't know. Again, you know, we all have to discern and decide uh, where where we feel like God ha- has us to be. Uh, I think, you know, there's things we can do. We can collaborate with others, you know, other groups, maybe in the city, other churches, all of that. But, you know, the, regardless of where the Lord has sent us, there's certain things you know, he was telling the Israelites here in Babylonian captivity that even though they hated it, they didn't want to be there. His instructions were to seek the welfare of the city. And 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 again, it it's not going to be easy. Sometimes it's going to be very difficult. Um, I like to bullet out. Let me just try to bullet some of those. That's, so again, just to summarize his instructions, he says, build houses and live in them. So I don't think that was about like construction. I think it was about have a home, have a life, you know, build a house and live in it. Then he says, plant gardens and eat the produce. So that wasn't going to happen overnight, right? Planting gardens, that's going to take a little while if you're going to actually eat the produce. Have children. And then he says, marry off your children so they'll have children. So he's actually talking about like, enjoy your children, but enjoy your grandchildren. So he's going to be there for a while. And then the last two uh, seek the welfare of the city and pray for the welfare of the city. So, you know, I guess for me, all of that passage there is just, it's a beautiful Old Testament picture of what I I call incarnational presence. It's like, you know, wherever God has sent us, he's asking us to put down roots. He's, he's asking us to stay as long as we can stay. But then I think what's interesting about each of those instructions that he gives that none of those things are dramatic. None of those things are, are like miraculous. They're just normal everyday activities. Um, Mm. so I just think it's helpful for us, even if it's going to be difficult. I mean, most places are going to be difficult. There's going to be things that maybe we're not thrilled about, but I think it's helpful for us to just be reminded is that the way that the, the kingdom of God takes root and ultimately changes the city is by all of us just living normal, and you, we could even call ourselves exiles by exiles living normal everyday lives as citizens of the king in our neighborhoods and, and in social spaces and in the places that we work. Um, and if it is hard, if it's difficult, even if it's dangerous, then we have to make sure we do that as a community, that we don't do it alone, as we've said before. Um, and then also, we probably just need to help each other when we can in those communities recognize that God has sent us here. I mean, mm-hmm. and and maybe it's not forever. Maybe maybe someone, you know, they do say that, hey, in two years, we feel like God's going to send us somewhere else. 
But if maybe part of it is we just need to be reminding each other that, hey, the, the Lord sent you here for a reason. The Lord has sent you here for a purpose. Um, and I don't know. I mean, that's that's yeah. not an easy answer, but it's just it's not always going to be easy. Right. The verse that sticks out to me that in Jeremiah 29 is verse seven. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Right. Um, that's, that's the counterintuitive thing. Yeah. It's like, man, Lord, I want to go to a place that's already great. <laughs> but to some extent, I, I think God has put you where he has put you to look for the brokenness around you and to seek the, like to pray to the Lord on behalf of that brokenness and to seek the welfare of that. And that your own welfare is somehow tied to that. that. That's right. It's like if you want if you want the city to be better, well, good news, God has sent you here for that purpose. And you know, as as, as you've talked about in previous episodes, we can't we can't fix all the problems. Right. Um, we can't snap our fingers and make things go away. Here in Shreveport, uh, good grief! I mean, we we have decades, if not a couple hundred years, of racial injustice that still sort of permeates the fabric of our city. We are still a deeply like geographically segregated city. Um, and that plays out not only in neighborhoods, but in churches and, you know, in schools and, and all the things. So obviously that's not something that I, I can snap my fingers and fix or one or even one church that somehow manages to successfully integrate um, in a beautiful way can can somehow change all of that here in the city. But, uh, but God can certainly do those kinds of things. And so I think continually bringing those needs before him in prayer and then recognizing the place where you are and the ways that you can with the resources and community that you have uh, respond to some of those things, you will actually potentially look up in a few years and find that you're living in a better place than it once was, perhaps. Right. Um, so yeah, I I love that. That's beautiful. Uh, let's say though that I'm somebody who has never engaged with my immediate neighborhood. I've never engaged with my neighbors outside of like waving at them as the car drives by. Um, what what are some first steps that that I could take in just just beginning that process of engaging and seeking the welfare of my neighborhood? Yeah. Well, the first thing I think is to pray for your neighbors. Uh, but then the second thing I tell you, we didn't share this in this particular resource in Mission Essentials, but a lot of times when we do training, anytime it's around neighboring, an exercise that we do on the very front end, almost always is taken from a book called The Art of Neighboring uh, by Dave Runyon and, and Jay Pathak. And it's it's fascinating. A lot of times I'll print this out, but if if I haven't printed this as out, I'll ask people just pull out a blank piece of paper and draw a tic-tac-toe grid. So in other words, draw two horizontal lines and two vertical lines. And I'll say, okay, now in that middle box, I want you to draw a picture of a house. And I'll give people just a minute, kind of draw a little picture. And I'll say, okay, now here's the exercise. Here's what I want you to do. I said, that house, that little picture you drew, that represents your home. And now what I want you to do is put the names of the people that live in the other eight homes around your home, put their names in there. And it's funny, every time we do this, you'll either hear crickets, like there'll be no noise, or there'll be groans, like people will go, <laughs> uh, you know. And the point is, rarely will, I mean, like I've done this, I don't know, a hundred times probably, and I've never had anyone fill in all eight boxes. Most of the time, it's like one or two, 
And it's always kind of fun. I'll jokingly say something like, look, you got to put in real names. You can't put like the guy that walks his dog or the or the lady that smokes a cigarette on the dock. You know, you've got to actually <laughs> put in real names. Well, the point of that exercise is just to say you can't love your neighbors if you don't know their name. So like the very first step is you've got to get to know what is what is what is their name? So, you know, if you've been living in the same place for a very long time and you don't know the person that lives next door to you, you don't know their name, it's going to be embarrassing, but you need the one that takes the first step and just go over, knock on their door and say, look, this is kind of embarrassing. We've lived next door to each other now for two years. I don't even know your name. Hand out, you know, reach out your hand to shake their hand and tell them your name. Um, in most cases, that other person's going to feel the same thing. They're going to say, uh, you know what? I've been thinking that for a long time. I can't believe we don't know each other. So there's just simple things like that. We've got to, we've got to get, know each other. The other thing I would say is just be outside as often as you can, when you can, um, you know, walk your dog, uh, shop locally, you know, do things in the neighborhood outside if, if at all possible, just to have the opportunity to, to connect with other people. And I tell you, when we moved here three years ago, one of the things also we were very intentional about is when we met a neighbor um, and we've never had anyone like turn us down with this, but we would always ask for their phone number. So if they needed something or if we needed something, we could text. And now every single day we're texting neighbors about different things. It's just, that's just been a really helpful a uh, real practical way to connect with people. And I think people are, they feel safe with that, you know, with texting. Um, so yeah, just simple things like that. You know, one other thing I, I would say, Weston, that, that's been really helpful is I, I think one of the best things we can ever do with a neighbor is to share a meal. But one thing that we've discovered is sometimes if you don't know someone very well, uh, sharing a meal in their home can be a little bit daunting. You know, it's like, you know, we're going to sit around a, the dining room table, you know, we're going to have to watch our manners, all that kind of thing. Well, we've just discovered a step, one step easier than that is to share dessert. So to say something like, hey, well, Friday night after dinner, you guys want to come over for dessert? They know it's going to be much more informal. You know, they're probably going to sit around the living room or maybe you're going to sit outside. Um, so just think about how are, how are ways that you can just practically easily connect with your neighbors relationally. But it all has to start by knowing what their name is. <laughs> so I hope that doesn't seem too daunting to you, that a great starting place for us in engaging with our neighborhoods uh, is simply to learn the names of the people who live around us. Um, may seem awkward at first, uh, but as somebody who has uh, been practicing some of these things for a little while, I can promise you that you will be so glad you did it and that you will find that it really wasn't awkward at all. Um, so let me encourage you uh, to do what Brad um, suggested to us, which is to create that neighboring grid. Um, and also, if you feel so inclined to pick up that book he mentioned too, called The Art of Neighboring. It's a great book. Uh, Dave Runyon is the author and Jay Pathak is the other author of that book. So um, I definitely recommend that to you. All right. So in our next episode, we're going to begin talking about a concept known as biblical hospitality, which may not be what you think it is and what it looks like to practice that in our places. So join us then. <laughs>